this morning, I, a couple of things on my heart. One is, you know, we, we celebrated uh, the life of Bob Spees this week. Um, we had a, uh, an evening. Uh, was, we de- decided instead of doing a funeral, what we were going to do is a prayer and share. And um, it was amazing to hear the stories of how Bob affected people's lives. I have a tie with a bunch of fish on it. That's the most fish I've ever caught in my life right there is on that tie. I, I, I don't mind going fishing. I just don't generally catch. So this way I've got a guaranteed, and that was Bob's, Bob's tie. I wanted to share one passage of scripture that comes that Peter wrote, and I think this is kind of a picture of, uh, a picture of Bob. Uh, this is in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, starting in verse 11. Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from your sinful desires which war against your soul. Now, Bob, uh, I shared this on, uh, on, on uh, the night of the, the uh, funeral, the Tuesday night, that you know nobody, nobody can preach another man's funeral. We preach our own funeral by the way that we live our lives. And as I said uh, Tuesday night, Bob would have told you that he preached a pretty sketchy funeral for about the first 30 or 35 years. But listen to what Peter says, says next. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and they will glorify God on the day that he returns. That should be the hope for every one of us. Amen? Amen. So we were so grateful to be able to celebrate that. And I just wanted to say thanks for everybody that came out. Literally, I think there was 140 people here, but we literally, after an hour and a half, had to kind of stop and say, all right, we're going we're gonna to close this because it just could have kept on going. So we're just so grateful. And I just wanted to, again, say thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for reaching out to Sharon in her, in her time of loss and being family for her. That's what we are. That's what we do. That's what we, who we believe God has called us to be. Amen? That's the church being the church. Right? That's what this is all about. As we're reading through Revelation, what we're finding out is Revelation is not about revealing the, the sickness that's going to happen. It's not about revealing the plagues that are going to happen. It's not about revealing the destruction that's going to happen. Revelation is about revealing who Christ is. That's the whole point of Revelation. Jesus is trying to reveal himself as we go through this book. So I want to encourage you, keep reading. Thanks for sticking with me. I realized uh, last week that I started this sermon series on March 13th of last year. I know, it's always like, what? It's been a year? Yeah, it takes me a while to get through. It's it's long chapters, I don't know. But anyhow, we're, we're there, we're narrowing it down. Today you may still have some handouts from a couple of weeks ago, if not, uh, we've got a few over on the foyer entryway there. But there were eight points that we've, we've looked at. There's ten points there. We're actually looking at um, number eight today. We're going to look at the millennial reign of Christ. Two weeks ago, we talked about the second coming of Jesus. And if you will remember, we said, no, I don't have my clicker crystal, so you're going to have to get us up to point number eight. Uh, two weeks ago, we said that uh, the, we identified clearly that the the rapture of the church, the taking away of the church, which we see in point number four, and the second return of Jesus are two separate, entirely separate events. Sometimes we get that kind of wrapped up in our mind, and and we've tried to explain that over time. But the millennial reign is when Jesus Christ comes back to literally set up his kingdom here on earth for a 1,000 years. And we, you and I, will be witnesses of that. We're actually not only going to be witnesses, but we're going to be participants in that, four people. 
Can you say amen to that? I believe we're going to be part of that. That's what the word declares. When Jesus comes back, we're coming with him. So I don't know if you're like me. I shared this a couple of weeks ago. Generally, when I've read through the book of Revelation, I get to this part and I go, amen, let's go to the end. But there's a lot that goes on in that thousand years. There's a lot that takes place there. So today I want to look at that. Uh, when we look at the millennial reign, when we look at this point in life, we're gonna, it's, it takes place after the seven years of great tribulation, after the plagues, after the judgment, after God's judgment has been poured out on the earth. Life is still going to continue. However, at that point, it's going to continue, but it's going to be ruled by Jesus. So there's some things that take place. This tribulation period we've talked about a number of times, it's clearly laid out in Scripture that that's a seven-year period of time. I believe firmly that when the rapture takes place, what's going to happen in heaven, in the air, we're going to meet Christ in the air, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's seven years there. I believe part of what's going to happen is a training period for you and I. Now you may say, well, Pastor, this sure sounds like a, like a fairy tale of some sort. Oh, it's, it's, it's a fairy tale. You're not going to ever have experienced life like we're going to experience. And we're going to be changed. The Bible says when we're taken up in the air, we're going to be translated, changed in the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to have this old body. We're not going to have gout. We're not going to have sore backs and sore knees. We're not going to have sniffly noses. And nobody's going to suffer with COVID. And nobody's going to limp. And nobody's, we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Does that excite anybody but me? That is a good day. That's we're going to have our glorified body as we instantly, boom. Hallelujah. Part of me doesn't want to preach. I just want to say hallelujah. There's going to be a change. And the government, the Bible talks about Jesus. So this, this great tribulation through that time period, I believe that we're going to be we're going to be changed and transformed. And then we're going to come to this millennial part where Jesus returns. The Bible says he's on a white horse and he's got a lot of people coming back with him and he's got fire in his eyes. He's not going to come back as a baby again. Israel always wanted a warrior king to come back. Well, there's a warrior king that's coming back. And he's going to set up his throne, his kingdom here on earth. There's something about this that I don't, I'm not sure that we get. When he comes back, he's going to rule in righteousness. There's not going to be a question. There's not going to be a flip of the coin. It's not, you know how some, seem, some areas in life kind of seem gray, like gray areas? Like, well, I'm not really sure that I know the answer to that. Guess what? We're going to know the answer. Okay? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the truth of all eternity is going to be ruling and reigning. There's not going to be questions. There's not going to be gray areas anymore. Jesus Christ is going to return. And I believe that the church will have been trained during that period. And then we're going to come through this, this, tribu- this uh, millennial reign. Now, in the millennial reign, you have to understand that although we've come through the tribulation and there's been famine and there's been destruction and there's been pestilence and there's been plagues and there's been all this stuff, there are still people that are alive through the tribulation time, right? 
there are still going to be people at the end of that time. So the church is going to come back with Jesus Christ and we're going to rule and reign and the government here is going to be on his shoulders. That was a promise clear back when Jesus was born, right? He's a prince of peace. The government is going to be on his shoulders. That's going to happen. Right here is where we're going to see that. So we don't have to worry about corrupt kingdoms or councils or Congress people or corrupt preachers or false prophets. I, don't, I, I, I believe... From what I read here, we'll look a little bit later in chapter 21. In chapter 21, it talks about the removal of the curse. So I believe the earth is still going to be under the curse. I don't have all that yet, but, but I don't know that I'm supposed to have it all. But during this millennial reign of Christ, the word of God is going to rule. And the Bible says that he's going to rule with an iron rod. So for the last two weeks I've been pondering, what does that mean? Why? What does that mean he's going to rule with an iron rod? Well, we see in other places in Scripture when iron is talked about that it has to do with earthly things. It has to do with earthly things. So I think that there is going to be this, this symbolism through the book of Revelation that this is going to be an, an earthly tool. Let's start reading uh, part of chapter 20. That's, that's where we're at. And I want you to know that I'm going to go down this reason, this road for a reason, and you might not like it. Is that okay? I'm going to say some things that you might not like. I might change your view on some things. Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 1, John says, And I saw an angel come down out of heaven, having a key to the abyss, holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. There is no ambiguity here. There's nothing that needs to be interpreted or translated Jesus is coming back and he is going to bind the devil for a thousand years. Now, that's a little tough for my 50 plus year old brain to understand. Like, what is that really going to look like? A time with no devil. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, we've prayed about that. God, take away sin, take away temptation, get this out of here. Well, he's doing it. He's taking that away. And if you'll recall, a couple of weeks ago, I said that we're going to be part of that millennial reign with him. I always kind of thought, you know, what I'll do is I'll just go out sightseeing for, you know, a thousand years or so. By then I should be able to get through the Alps and get through the... You know, we'll just float around on a cloud and play harps and everything's going to be all cool. We're part of that ruling party. You and I are going to have jobs to do. Right? right? Maybe you don't like that. I don't know. Some people think, well, you know, this is just a bunch of hyperbole. This is just all stories. The earth is just going to keep on spinning. The sun's going to keep on coming up and going down. Everything's just going to go on, Pastor. Somehow this is all going to happen in the spirit realm. And, you, you know, they probably said that about a Messiah too. But here's the deal. The Messiah came. And guess what? He's coming back. Over 2,400 over 2400 prophecies about him coming back. If they didn't miss the first 300, they're not missing the next 2,400. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. You know, you think about that thousand-year reign. Oh, honey, I told you to take out the garbage. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. It's been 300 years. Where have you been? <laughs> well, Jeff and I thought we would go and 
you know, see what's hanging out. You know, I don't know. What, what, what is that going to be? What's that going to be like? I, I can't, my brain can't even imagine it. But the word says that he is coming back to set up a kingdom here and that we are coming with him. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. So I don't believe it's a time for us just to float around on clouds and play harps. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 3. He threw him, Jesus threw him, Satan, into the abyss and he locked and he sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until a thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released or freed for a short time. Look, again, many of us think that this is just allegory and that it's just not gonna be real, but I'm telling you, I believe this is real as can be. Pastor, do you really believe this is real? Yes, I believe this is real. Yes, I believe this is literal. Not only do we see this in Revelation as a prophecy, but Isaiah prophesied this. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. I love this passage of scripture. Verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star of the dawn, speaking of Satan. How you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. At one point in time, the enemy laid low the nations. At one point, he was, a, he was something to be feared. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God I will sit enthroned on the mountain assembly uh, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphron I will ascend above the tops of the clouds I will make myself like the most high guide God but you are brought down to the realm of the dead to the depths of the pit look at this verse 16 those who stare those who see you stare upon you and they ponder your fate is this the man who shook Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? Is that it? Is that it? Really? It it just one? Just, is that that all there was to this? You realize that Adam and Eve had a choice to make and they chose sin. And when they did, they brought all this corruption in. But, But we have a choice. We don't have to walk in that and there's going to come a time when we get set free and we won't have to walk in it anymore we're not going to be subject to it anymore and we're going to look at it and go is that you remember oh pray for me the devil's chasing me yeah probably not pray for me i got all these troubles in my life yeah maybe pray for me that when i look in the mirror i see the trouble that i'm causing oops sorry about that in my life how many of you know that most of what we see as the devil tempting us or the devil trying us is really just the results of sowing and reaping you don't have to raise your hand that's okay I <laughs> sorry about that lots of times we just put a whole bunch of garbage out there and we wonder why it keeps coming back it doesn't generally have to do with the devil it has to do with what I planted if I plant corn I'm going to get corn if I plant peas I'm going to get peas if I plant bitterness I'm going to get bitterness no 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 you're supposed to say tempted by the devil (laughs) we're going to get what we plant that's a law of nature I got a plan for you. How about we stop planting garbage? How about we start planting some good stuff? 
How about we lay down our lives for our neighbors? How about when we see the guy next to us, you know, this was one of the stories that came up over and over about Bob and fishing. If he was out fishing and he saw kids especially who were out on the shore fishing, if they weren't catching fish, he was over catching. By the time they got done, they walked away with a full bucket. How about we fill other people's buckets in life? Do you know how often we're a drain on other people's buckets? You know how often people walk down the road and they go, oh man, here he comes. You say to me, Pastor, that was thousands of years ago. Surely you don't believe. Yes, I do believe. I believe that prophecy is going to come true. I believe the words of Revelation are going to come true. I believe Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Prince of peace. He is kingdom will come. His will will be done. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the firstborn of many brethren. He is the first one who was ever raised from the dead, and he is our brother, and he's going to lead us in that. Amen? I believe that. That's true. That's truth. That's truth. You might go, well, you're, you're hyping people up. We got something to get excited about. Amen. Well, haven't you looked around? You see the chaos? Yeah, I have, and I know what the word says. More of that chaos is going to come before Jesus comes back. That's the truth. In this world, you will have troubles. James says, embrace them like an old friend. What? What? Count it all. Joy. No, did you see the struggles that I had this week? Yeah, count it all. Well, some of it, just count a little bit of it joy. Count it all joy. Folks, we do not have to be on the bottom. We can be the head and not the tail, right? Jesus came that we could have peace, and we don't have to wait until someday in the future. We can appropriate that joy and that peace and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit in our life today. We don't have to wait until the end. Someday, you know, in the grave, when we all get to heaven, what a day. What about today? Let's have a day of rejoicing today, right? You know why? Because I don't have to live under the same guilt that I've lived under for 50 years. I don't have to. We don't have to walk in that condemnation. We don't have to walk in fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. And some of us need to appropriate soundness of mind. We let our mind run away with us. None of this is in my notes. You ever hear of catastrophizing? You take this little, this little. I'm not sure if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. I'm not sure if my kids are. I, for me, it was great. When my mom and dad were, my, my folks, I'm telling you, I, I, I saw my dad drink a beer one time when we were roofing. I've never seen my parents drunk, never. They used to go out with some friends, and the friends on occasion would drink, but I've never saw my parents ever drink, smoke, I mean, none of that stuff. Smoke they did, but drink they didn't. So I remember one time they went out with some friends. Dad told me before they left, they'd be home at 11 o'clock. By 11.02, I had their car flipped over in a ditch, car accident, they're dead, they're dying alongside the road. My brain just wants to catastrophize and turn everything into disaster. At 11.04, they came pulling in. The car wasn't flipped over, they weren't in a ditch, nobody was dead, Right? We let our mind run away with us. And the word says that we need to take those thoughts captive. Well, I'm here to tell you during that millennial reign, 
those thoughts are going to be taken captive on a regular basis because Jesus is going to rule, right? Now, there's going to be lots of stuff going on. Let's, let's go ahead and, and continue in Revelation chapter 20. This is why I don't make it past four or five verses on a Sunday morning. It's all your fault. You're pulling this stuff out of me. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, John says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Who do you suppose those are? Five people are raising their hands. Some are kind of raising them really low. I'm not really sure. I might kind of really think this, but I'm not going to commit too high. I don't want to. It's us. We're going to come back, and we're going to rule with Christ. I believe that. There's training that we're going to get. I, I believe that. And I saw the souls of those, get this, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus, because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their forehead or their hand, and they came to life and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. Do you remember the tribulation saints? It's got to have been at least 15 weeks ago, so I understand. But we're told about the tribulation saints back in Revelation chapter 6. These are saints, these are people who accepted Jesus during the tribulation period. They apparently were not believers before the rapture, but what we read in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, John says, I saw under the altar souls, this is important, souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a long voice, in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And then each one of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their servants, their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. Well, here's the day. This is the day. In Revelation 20, we see they're back. They're out. These are the tribulation saints. They're the ones who did not take the mark. They were given a white robe, which signifies the righteousness of Christ. And they're, they're, they're going to be standing before God. When the church comes back to rule and reign, these folks will also experience the resurrection. These, now, so those who were raptured were transformed in the twinkling of an eye, but these folks will also be transformed. Why? Revela I'm glad you asked. Revelation chapter 20, verse 5. The rest of the dead had not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Do you have any idea the stuff we're going to get to see? I mean, you have any idea, we, we, we read through this and these things that seem so confusing, if we take time and we really mull it over and we, and we ponder and we think about it and we read it and we read it again, and we, we see that these are the, the saints that were taken out during the tribulation period. Now here, I wanna, I wanna read something to you. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians, this is Paul writing to the church, 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse one. For we know that if this earthly tent is destroyed, the earthly tent, it's our jacket, it's our coat, it's our body, this earthly tent, this thing that we wake up with every morning is decaying. This old tent is dying every day, right? We struggle with it. Just getting out of bed some mornings is a bit of a challenge. Some mornings more of a challenge than others. This old tent is going away. That's what Bob shed when he passed away. He left his, this tent, okay? 
we know that if this earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. Meanwhile, so once this tent is gone, there's going to be an earth, a heavenly tent for us. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. I believe, that's hard, I can't tell you what Paul was thinking, but I think part of what Paul was thinking here, I believe he was looking forward to that day of having a new body, having this new, new heavenly body created in the image of Christ. Because we are clothed, get this, meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead of our heavenly dwelling. Because we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Okay. Souls under the altar. Souls under the altar. We read about that. Tribulation souls under the altar. So under the altar, there's a, there's a, there's a place, there's some kind of a, a, a place. The altar, is, the altar is here, and somewhere under that altar, there are souls of people who died in the tribulation, but their souls, it's their spirit, they've, they're, they're, they've gained some kind of a righteousness, but they've not yet received their heavenly body. They're gonna get their heavenly body during the point, in, we see it in, verse, in chapter 20, when they are resurrected from here, then they're gonna get their heavenly tent. Paul says, until that time, we kind of run around naked, not naked as in I don't have any clothes, naked as in my soul doesn't have a body on it anymore. The Bible says to be absent from the, from the well, let's just read it. Let's just, just read it. To be absent from the body, we're going to read it. Uh, because we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we, we groan and are burdened because we, uh, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with your heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what we have to come. Folks, when we start to read some of these passages in Corinthians, we start to tie them together with what's taking place in the last days. All of a sudden, there's new life that's breathed into this. Paul is saying, I don't want to be found naked. You're like, what is he talking about? He doesn't, want to be, he doesn't want to be one of those souls. He wants to have his, earth, his heavenly body. Therefore, we are confident knowing that as long as we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, and I say I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. King James says to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, if you're not raptured or if you're not through the tribulation, that you're not going to get that body till afterwards. We're not going to get that glorified body. We'll, we'll read about that in just a minute. But those tribulation saints, when they are set free after the tribulation, they're going to get their new body. And we went up to heaven as we were raptured. Our body was changed in the twinkling of an eye. We got that new dwelling place. But that's what, this is, that's what this is all about. So we make our goal to please him, whether we're at, we at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear, listen, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for the things that we did while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul is talking here to the church. He's talking about what we talked about two weeks ago, not the great white throne judgment, but the bema seat judgment where all the things that we did here on earth 
Am I losing you? Are we all here? Are we, are we, are we, are we hanging in there? God wants us. There's, there's, there's a, a new day that's coming. And you and I are going to stand before the Lord, accountable for the things that we did here in the flesh, here. You say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. You're not talking about the great white throne judgment. You're not, not talking about heaven or hell. What we're talking about is being rewarded for the things that we did here, the rewards that we're going to get. All this is life. This is, I've been so excited to, to look at this. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 20, blessed and holy are those who have shared in the first resurrection. The second death has no power. They died once. That's how they ended up there. There's not going to be a second death for them. They don't have to worry about the great white throne judgment. They're, they're saved. They don't have to worry about it. They've been resurrected. The second death has no power of them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign forever with him for a thousand years. They're going to reign with ever, not forever, but they're going to reign with him for a thousand years. During that thousand years of Christ, the church will come back and rule with Jesus and so will the tribulation saints. So a thousand years with the devil locked up, not able to deceive anybody, and yet look at what happens in Revelation 20 and verse 7. When a thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for a battle. In number, get this, in number they are like the seas of the seashore, like the sand of the seashore. There's going to be a lot, right? Anybody ever tried to count the sand on the seashore? Have you ever just tried to count the sand in a bucket of sand? I tried one time to count the sand in a cup. Kind of silly, right? Really silly. Try it sometime if you don't think it's silly. I want you to notice something here. Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years. The church will be in this thousand year reigning as well. Tribulation saints will be ruling as well. And we naturally think, I want you to grab this, I want you to to really grab this. We naturally think, it's going to be a great time. This is going to be amazing. All this is going to be wonderful. How would anybody ever want to walk away from this? How would anybody ever go away from this, right? Don't you think being in the presence of God, don't you think that would be just a fantastic thing? Is that anybody but me? I think it would be It'd be amazing. And yet we find that though the, rule, the world is going to be ruled by Jesus himself, the devil is going, to be, is going to be tied up that when he is released, the Bible says, for just a little while, he is going to find so many followers that they're going to be like the sands of the seashore. Understand this. Understand this. You say, how would people ever rebel, Pastor? I can't believe that people, they did it in the garden, right? Tempted by the devil, they did it in the garden. There's going to be a great rebellion that happens again. Here's why I tell you this. I've heard an awful lot in the last several years. Oh, there's going to be a great revival and we're going to change the earth. The world is going to change. The great revival's good. We should preach revival. We should go out and preach and lead people to Christ. We should do that on a regular basis. That should be part of our daily mission. Right? We talked about 
Peter. Peter said, live such a good life among the Gentiles that when the day comes, they're going to stand before God and they may want to complain about you, but they're going to say, but I got nothing bad I can say about Gracie. We should live that kind of a life and people's lives around us will be transformed. But understand, there is no forestalling the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that. We think, I've heard this, I've heard it, Hundreds of times in the last couple of years. You know, if we just get people saved, if we just work on families, if we just work on dads, if we just work on this, if we just work on that, then, then we, can, we can push all of this off. Then we've got so many more years. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. We just went a thousand years with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. And what happened at the end of it? Rebellion. Sin is still sin in people's hearts. You can look at all that we, and I, I, I will say this again and again. We just spent $19,000 buying a bus so that we could take our kids to church, okay? I believe in taking people to church. I believe in sharing the gospel. I believe in evangelism. We've got some things coming up. I believe in this. I believe we need to reach out, but we're not going to change the whole world. The world is not going to be magically transformed, and I think we have to be realistic about that. But I do believe that we should be out grabbing every lost soul that we could grab. Just don't be surprised if everybody doesn't jump on board. Right? I told you, you might not like what I'm saying. The greatest outpouring, the greatest uh, uh, salvation message, the greatest Billy Graham, you can put... Billy Graham and Morris Cirillo and Dutch Sheets and put them all together and you're still not going to get the whole world saved. Because if Jesus Christ rules for a thousand years and that doesn't change, then I don't think what we're going to do, don't, don't get me wrong, please hear what I'm saying. Reach out, reach out, reach out. Live a life. Live your life in such a good way that people can't deny that God is there. But when that thousand years is over, the enemy is going to come back and he is going to deceive. So even Jesus himself cannot take that free will away from people. You can only imagine. I mean, I used to tell my kids all the time, nothing good happens at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're doing. Nothing good happens at 2 in the morning. If you're out hanging with your buddies and with your friends, ain't nothing good going to happen at 2 o'clock in the morning. The only thing that's out there is trouble. I don't care who you are. We have just, and of course, you know, I've gotten a few of those phone calls at night at 1 o'clock. What do I tell you? Nothing good happens at 2. Get home. Don't do this stuff. We live in a culture where sin is so rampant that the devil is no longer trying to disguise it. As a matter of fact, it is glorified continually in front of us. Anybody heard about the Grammys, what just happened at the Grammys? I don't watch TV. You don't have to watch TV. They actually did a, basically they did a satanic ritual on stage. That's what they did, and they celebrated it because this was people speaking out their freedoms and blah, 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 but you can't get up and name the name of Jesus without getting condemned, right? 
the demonic realm and that evil is no longer in hiding. It's out there. And so I'm telling us, I'm telling you, we need to understand that we need to reach... How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Penn Jillett? Ever heard of Penn Jillett? How many of you have ever heard of Penn and Teller, the, the Las Vegas magicians? Penn and Teller have been uh, around for probably 40 years. Penn Jillett is a self-proclaimed atheist. And he is, he's a big guy. I've seen interviews with him. He's, he's, he's kind of bold and brash. He's as brash as he is big. He's a big guy. And he does not mind telling you what he thinks about God. He was, in, he was interviewed recently uh, by, a, uh, or there's a YouTube video by thinkchristian.net. And I want you to hear what Penn Jillette said. This is part of an interview. Um, Penn shares a powerful monologue about being kind and polite. A kind and polite businessman handed him a Bible. Actually gave him a Gideon's New Testament from what I understand. First of all, Penn was touched by the man's kindness and his gentleness. And he actually refers to this several times in his comments. Listen to what he's touched by this man's gesture. Penn testifies. This guy is a self-proclaimed atheist. He, listen to what he says. He said, if you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and you think it's not worth telling somebody about it, how much do you have to hate that person to not attempt to proselytize them? I'll explain that in a minute to believe that there is everlasting life, that it's possible, and to not tell people. This man cared enough about me to attempt to proselytize me. Proselytize simply means to try to convince somebody, in particular in religion, in particular in our belief system. You try to win them over to Christianity. That's Pendulette. This is a guy who tells you straight up what he thinks. He's got a horribly foul mouth. He's an atheist. He doesn't care about anything, but he said this man's kindness. Eventually in his interview, he said, if you think about it, it's like seeing a truck barreling down on somebody. If, if heaven and hell is real, it's like seeing this truck barreling down on somebody and you're too afraid to go out and try and save them? This is an atheist talking to Christians saying, get your faith out there. Tell people if you really believe it, Think about it, think about it, think about it. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost? Careful, careful, careful. You answer it too quick, God's going to hold you accountable for it. Careful. Yeah, I believe that, Pastor. Of course I believe it. Are you telling people? I'm standing here under this fan and you begin to see it wobble above me and I have no clue. Think to yourself, man, that fan is on its last screw. It's got one thread left and it's coming down. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Is somebody going to say, well, I knew that fan was coming, told you. 
You should have looked at it. The signs were all around you, Pastor. It was right there. You should have seen it. Or somebody going to say, move, get out of the way. I hope you love me enough to say, move, get out. hang on, hang on. Because if you don't, what is that saying about what you really feel about me? Friends, neighbors, family, co-workers, people we know, people we don't know. How much are we reaching out in kindness? You need to know Jesus. You need to get saved. That's one thing. How about a glass of water? How about, can I pray for you? I tell the story of the, yeah, see, they're going in the back room. Yeah, you need to get Jesus or I'm going to hurt you. You're going to die right now. You need Jesus. Tell the story about a gal in Hibbing, my pastor in Hibbing. Went to the lumber yard, and every time he went to the lumber yard, which was often, he chose the same lumber yard. He chose the same line, Georgia, Right? I just thought of her name. It took me two days to think of that woman's name. She, this, he always went to the same line and the same checkout gal took care of him. Every time he went through and he built a friendship with Georgia. He built a friendship with her. He built a friendship with her. And one day he comes walking through and she's got gloves on and the fingers are cut off the end of the gloves. And it wasn't cold. And he said, what's going on? And she said, oh, she said, my hands are broken, broke out so bad and they dry and they crack and they bleed. And he had known, he'd gotten to know Georgia over the course of six months, a year, 18 months, whatever it was. He's like, can I pray for you? And she said, that would be great. And so he went on his merry way, right? No, he stopped and he grabbed her hands and he prayed for her. And it was just a matter of six months and she was playing piano in our church. Why? that somebody cared enough. Because they were just kind enough. Because they just loved enough. Folks, if we really believe what we're reading in Revelation, we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to be kind. We need to be gentle. At times we're going to say, it's time to wake up. I've been talking to you for years, man. You need to see what's going on. I get that there are times. But no amount of no uh, uh, no amount of of, uh, uh, of of preaching the gospel, no amount of, of people getting saved, no amount of, of transfer, none of that is going to forestall the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's not gonna. Scripture says, "God the Father knows the day and the hour. No man knows the day and the hour. I don't know the day and the hour, but we're twenty four hours closer than we were last Sunday at this time." We're closer. Tomorrow we're going to be 24 hours closer. It could come anytime. I shared with you a couple weeks ago. There is nothing that needs to be fulfilled according to Scripture at this point in time. It is imminent. It is imminent. It is going to happen. The second coming of Jesus Christ is going to happen. It's imminent. What are we going to do about it? We're going to love our neighbors. Why? By how? By leaving them alone? By letting them stand under the fan? By letting them stand in front of a truck? We cannot forestall the second coming of Jesus. That's why I believe we need to be reaching out. We need to be, we need to be, we need to be so God conscious. Can I say it that way? 
We need to be so aware of the Holy Spirit at any time. He could be saying, hey, man, why don't you sit down and have a cup of coffee with that guy? And we can start a conversation. He's like, oh, pastor, that's really weird. That was really weird, wasn't it? They might just get stuck to your side. They might not want to leave you. You don't know. You could be like static. You don't, you don't know how that's going to change somebody's life. It's our job. You see signs when you leave here. You're entering your, you're entering your mission field when you leave. This world is our mission field. Don't, don't, please, don't take it lightly. We, we celebrate, but there's, there's a time when Jesus, even when, see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. People come to Christ. You go out, you evangelize, your friend comes to Christ. The rapture comes, they're transformed, there's a new body. They come back ruling and reigning, they're gonna have all this time. When the enemy is released from the pit after a thousand years, guess what? They've already, they're already in. That's second. They don't have to worry about that temptation that's coming again. They don't have to worry about that rising up against God. They're, they're part of the family. But folks, we have, we have an obligation to be dispensers of hope, to be dispensers of life, to be dispensers of peace, to be dispensers of joy. We have, we have, we have an obligation to say, well, some people just, they might not, they might not listen. Great, pray for them then. I've got enemies you don't know about. Yeah, what does the Bible say? Pray for those who despitefully use you. Right? There's an answer to it all. It's the same answer. It's Jesus. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and I'm over. I'm going to stop. God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for each person watching online. I thank you mostly for your word. I thank you for the challenge. Lord, there's, there's, the revival that's going to come, God, I believe there's going to be great revival. But there are still going to be those who just simply will not come. We can, we can, we can preach, we can teach, we can coach, we can do all of that. And there are people who are still going to choose to walk in wickedness. That's what we're, is revealed in your word. We see it. There's going to come a day during the great tribulation when angels are going to fly over the earth with banners that say we're supposed to turn to you and there are people that are just going to flat deny that. They're going to thumb their nose at you, God. Revival is not going to forestall your coming. But you are coming and therefore we should be energized to go out and make a difference in this world in which we live. Outside of the church, outside of these four walls, God, Help us to be dispensers of hope and light and life and joy. Help us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit every day. God, I pray that you would, you would use us in such a way that people just kind of want to be around us. And that eternity will be changed by the message of Christ. That's, that's all we've got. That's all we've got. Bless each person here today and those watching online. Be with them. Help us to be witnesses of you and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go out and change the world. Hallelujah.